Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. My good friend 60s joined me earlier today to break down all the action from round 23 as the Parramatta Eels snuck home against the St. George Illawarra Dragons. We were live at Jack's Bar and Grill at Paraleagues, the home of the Parramatta Eels, and I'll bring that to you very, very shortly. But before we do, a quick shout out to the sponsors of the show, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Maryland, and Parramatta. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Parramatta Leagues Club, the home of the Eels. Well, we got the job done today. Maybe not the way that we wanted to, but we still got the job done. So how about a round of applause for getting the job done and getting two points? We're the Cumberland Throw. We'll be with you for about 30, 40 minutes just to do a wrap-up of today's match. We'll leave the TV on there so you can keep track of the Raiders and the Tigers. We're, we're going to cheer on the Tigers to maybe get over the Raiders. We can hope against hope, can't we? Can we hope against hope that the Tigers get over the Raiders so that maybe we can just edge up a little bit on them? We've got to keep our season going as long as we possibly can. But anyway, today we had the Eels getting up over the Dragons... 26 to 20. It kept us on the edge of our seats. John, can you take us through some of the key stats? Yeah, well, starting with the scoreboard, the Parramatta Reels racked up 26 points with Bryce Cartwright getting the match-winning try in the 70th minute. Uh, Arthur Miller-Stevens scoring on debut as the first try scorer. Uh, Bryce getting his first try in the 11th minute with Sean Russell and Junior Barwell tacking on. The St. George Illawarra, Michaeli Ravalawas, they scored uh, 16 points. Zach Lomax adding on four. Yeah, so it, it was the Eels against Ravalawa yeah, today. Pretty pretty much. Yeah. Uh, he got four on the board then. It felt like he could have got five or six as well. He had a, a whale of a game on that right edge. Uh, but going through the team stats quickly, Eels just ahead on possession, 51 to 49%. Time possession actually in favour of the Dragons by a few seconds. Uh, somehow the Eels got to 83% completion, mate. I have no idea how. It felt like they were dropping the ball every other set after a hot start. You know, it was... a. Uh there was very similar stats at half-time where the, the uh, Dragons were struggling with effective tackles, with missed tackles. Uh, they did have an advantage of time in possession and it felt like we were losing the ruck really badly in that first half and yet they far exceeded the Eels' missed tackles and ineffective tackles. It was hard to put a finger on it. Well, talking about losing the ruck, it was nine line breaks to five in favour of the visitors. The Eels having problems in that front line of defence. Managed to mitigate some of the damage, obviously, on the scoreboard, but the Dragons still putting on 20 points. Uh, in terms of the uh, defence, like you mentioned, the Dragons actually were worse defenders. 85% effective tackle rate, the Parramatta's 86.7%. They have more missed and ineffective tackles. So Parramatta cleaner on defence, even though it didn't always feel that way in terms of the general run of play. Eels were a bit more efficient in terms of errors and penalties conceded. A rare uh, win for the penalty count there for the Eels, 6-2. So you take those ones, mate. Uh, and yeah, and like on the balance of things as a team, uh, the line break's the big sort of standout thing there. Both teams equal on offloads. You don't always see that. The Eels tend to out-offload their opponents, but the Dragons have a couple of uh, decent offloaders themselves and the likes of Zach Lomax and some of those forwards. And individual level, 
Quinn Gufferson led the way for 181 metres on the ground. Uh, he had a couple of good performances. Junior Barlow, 180 as well. Uh, 160 from Bryce Cartwright. Or should I say, uh, Dr. Bryce, Mr. Cartwright. Bit of a Jekyll and Hyde game there for the big fella. But yeah, statistically, the Eels, decent. The eye test, though, there was plenty left to be desired. They got the win, which is what you want, but there's still things to improve ahead of a trip up to Brisbane. So today, we had the uh, debut of Arthur Miller-Steven. What do you think, people? Do you think he's got a future? Artie, out on the wing? Yeah, a good try to start off the game. Uh, there was obviously Ravalawa got a few tries and uh, BA swapped the wing that Artie was on uh, for the second half. But to be fair, I don't think uh, any other option that we had on the wing was going to stop those no. particular tries that Ravalawa R scored Ravalawa today. Ravalawa got his flowers against Sean Russell as well. So uh, it's just a case of a big hulking winger doing what he does best. And he had a whale of a game, like I said earlier. But it's always great to see a rookie come in, get that try on debut have a, you know, a good solid game where he had some mistakes he's going to learn from and be better for. But I just love the energy and the team rallying around the young kid having that first experience in the NRL. You could see they were pumped for him. Yeah, just to give people a bit of a background on Arthur Miller-Steven, uh, Artie was playing in the Parramatta Reels SG ball team last year, uh, playing some uh, fullback. Uh, later, later in the year, he uh, moved up into the Jersey Flag team, played a mix of uh, fullback and wing there. Uh, the start of this year, he was in Jersey Flag, and then uh, a couple of rounds in, he was moved up to New South Wales Cup, playing fullback there. And uh, in one of those matches, he busted his shoulder, and he was out for about nine, ten weeks. So he's he's been back what about four or five weeks, something like that. About bang on. Yeah, and obviously the Eels are in, uh, in dire straits when it comes to outside backs at the moment. It's something that I did write about through the week with, the, uh, with our roster. So they've given the young bloke his opportunity. Now, to put this in perspective, because Artie was outside the top 30 and he only was part of uh, training as part of the New South Wales Cup team in this latter part of the season... He's probably only had about half a dozen training runs with the top grade squad. So he's coming in there really, really inexperienced. It's not ideal. And I think that says a lot for young Artie with how he played today was that minimal amount of time that he's had. Now, when did the Eels know they were going to use him this week? He was part of training on Tuesday. And all the boys started to get around him on Tuesday. And, and can I just say from watching what training was like Tuesday, uh, sorry, Wednesday and uh, Friday, uh, he was, they really got around him. They really got around him big time. And I should, uh, yeah, should just correct that, not Tuesday training, Wednesday training. So they really got around him. Uh, everything that he was doing, they were encouraging him going over there, cheering him when he, was, um, when he was getting things right there at training. Bit of advice if things weren't quite going right. Uh, had a really good session at the captain's run on Friday. And you'll probably see footage of the jersey presentation to him on Eels Media. And after they do the jersey presentation, they get the, the person making the, the player making the debut to tell a funny story. And watching the fellas there 
and they're all sitting around on the grass like school children listening to Artie tell his story. And it was just, I thought it was really indicative of how much they'd embraced him as part of the team and, uh, you know, making him feel like he was a really important squad member, which indeed he was today. So um, how would you rate his performance, his debut, John? It's hard to assign a, a grade or a value to it, but I, like I said, I really loved the energy. He made some errors. They're going to go get that on tape and make him a better play for it. But, yeah, he just brought that youthful sort of uh, vibe to the team that you love to see. Unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to see him in open space 60s. We know he's got some wheels. He can fly. Oh, he, Artie would be the fastest player in the club. So if anyone was wondering what sort of pace he's got, yeah, easily the fastest player in the club. Yeah, so we didn't get to see that tonight. Did get to see him score his uh, first try in the NRL, first try of the game. So that's going to be a memory that stays with him forever. And for that, I'm, I'm really big on it. So I, I love what the uh, selection brought to the team. And yeah, Ravalara obviously is a tremendous player and he's going to get his. And I think Artie will look back on this game as a really big learning experience going up against one of the most physical wingers in the competition. Now, John, I wanted to ask you about the first half because we seemed to have all that early momentum and then it disappeared you know, probably halfway through that first half. Now, it, it probably came when Cardi, who scored a, the most amazing try, just completely bamboozled the defence to get an individual try there, but he pushed a pass. Yeah. Early in the tackle count, around about the 20 metre mark, and then they, uh, the Dragons were able to take advantage, get downfield, and they got their first try on the board. It was a case of uh, Bryce giveth and Bryce taketh, wasn't it? Oh, the party giveth, the party yeah, taketh. Yeah. Uh, between the, uh, the offload and then I think before half time, he went out of the line on the last to try and trap the ball off his foot and it led to a fresh set for the Dragons, let them score ahead of that uh, break or oranges. So, yeah, look, it's not the first time this season we've started red hot inside the first 10, 12, 15 minutes and then sort of gotten a bit too loose. You know, gone for that pass or that offload that's just not on. Uh, no, I was going to ask you about that. Is it? Do we get overconfident? Do we? Do we get away from a game plan? What do you think of that? It is. Yeah, I think it's a. It's definitely going away from the game plan. That's that's without a doubt for mine. I think it's a case of you sort of sense blood in the water and you think that if you can get that extra try, that extra break, you're going to really you know put them to the sword, break the back, break the spirits. And unfortunately, the reverse can also be true. You open the door for him, keep it ajar to come back into the contest. So that was the case here today where the Dragons were rattled badly after those first two tries. But then a sequence of errors, which again, I don't know how we got to 83% completion on the back of those errors, but uh, it opened the door for the Dragons and they took the opportunities taking the lead into halftime. Yeah, I, I, I think it was that sense of smelling blood in the water and drifting away from a game plan because we know that... What BA wants is the building up of pressure, the physical contact. And as soon as we get into that sort of play, we go straight away from the physical contact. We go away from building up pressure. And, and I think it was at that point that the Dragons started to win the middle because we weren't forcing the play through the middle. We weren't winning the middle. We were taking the game away from the middle, but they came back at us through there got a lot of territory, then just pushed it to their right, our left, and kept going to that well with Ravalawa. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
And, yeah, look, going back on the tape of this one, the team will be disappointed with the opportunities they gave the Dragons. This was very much a case of, like you said, you could put the foot on the throat, really ground them out and taking that game at half-time just on the back of possession and territory. Instead, we, uh, we went the easy route, and the easy route made it the hard route. It's like that counterintuitive sort of thing. By going for the easy, flashy option, you end up making it more difficult for yourself in the long run. Okay, so the second half didn't start too well. The Dragons got out to that 20-10 to 10 lead, courtesy of Ravalawa. So it didn't look as if the swapping of um, the wings between Sean Russell and Artie was going to work out. It, it didn't seem to make any difference. What went right from there? Because it felt like things were still going wrong, but obviously something started to go right for us. It's the same thing that's happened, I suppose, most of the season, to be honest, outside of the Warriors game, which were undermanned, and then more recently the Melbourne Storm game where we just played a very ordinary brand of football. But consistently in the final quarter of play, the team either comes to life or starts to outlast their opposition. And I think we saw it again today where the Eels just finished stronger than the Dragons. They played outside the first 10 minutes. I'm going to say 50 minutes of pretty subpar football. But in that final 20, 15 minutes, things started to click a bit more. They just came over the Dragons stronger. And we saw that. Uh, you know, just Moses got involved with his kicking game. Gufferson started popping up. Uh, we saw Ryan Madison become a factor around the middle for his ability to play at the line, finding Junior Barlow, who I thought actually had a pretty good game, all things considering. And yeah, just again, we finish games generally stronger than our opponents, but we're not always in a position to win the games from that you know, particular juncture. Yeah, I think, you know, the main thing that concerned me at the end was when we were leading by six points and we had possession right in front of the, the post right, with the about, Madison three, offload, yeah. about three minutes to go and Maddo went for that uh, really speculative two. offload yeah. on tackle two right in front of the posts when it was, it looked like maybe the team was going to set up for the field goal to... Th that, to is, that is training drill situation stuff, isn't it? It's just take your five tackles to set up the kick. If you want to be a little bit adventurous in your first few tackles in terms of going for a try, okay, but not forcing an offload where it's not on. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm going to make a bit of a shout-out to someone here. See if he might join us up here for a couple of words. Fletch. Yeah, the, the head spun around really quickly. Uh, Fletch has his own podcast. He's a really keen young Parramatta Real supporter. Welcome, Fletch, to the microphone, everybody. We've got him when he's just had a mouthful of uh, pizza. <laughs> and he wasn't expecting this. So, Fletch, we've got a few questions. We want to get your takes on things today and maybe what the talking points are going to be for the E-Electric podcast from during the week. First of all, what did you make of Arthur Miller-Stevens' debut today? Um, I thought he was good for the first 50 minutes and then just when we switched um, Sean Russell and... Um, Mark Miller Stevens around. I think he wasn't really training with Will that probably that week, and he just got confused for the first, and then he just eased into it and just did his job. And I'll get you to the, right, to the microphone or hold it, or even hold it for yourself. If, yep. yeah, that's, if it's not too heavy. Uh, wh what about that first half? What was concerning you in the first half, where we were down on on points and seemed to be backpedalling in the game? It's probably the only consistent thing in this Parramatta team is the left edge defence. It's just not on. 
It's just not on. So what do you think it is? Do you think they're not communicating to each other? Uh, is, it, is it a matter of maybe individuals not doing their job? It was mainly um, Miller Stevens just coming in too early. Like um, Brown and um, Simonson had their had their men, and then he just just came in like what Wonga Blake was doing last week. Okay, so he started off quite well uh, defensively, uh, Artie. He uh, he put a tackle on on um, Ravalawa, which took him out into touch. Um, what's your take on his future at the club? Well, he's better than Wonga Blake, so I'd keep him. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> the, the truth does does come out <laughs> maybe a little bit harshly, but uh, I think we can all acknowledge that uh, at the moment Wonga's headspace isn't quite what it was in the past. That he's, he's, he's not the player that he was in the past. Yeah. We hope that he can find that form when he moves on to another club next year and extend his rugby league career um, further. Uh, looking ahead, Fletch, we got the win. How would you sum up the win? Um, suspenseful, frustrating, confusing. And what's going to need to change next week to get the win over the Broncos? Headspace. We just need to complete our sets, not try and push the pass all the time, try and get in the grind. So, were we looking for easy options, do you think, today, for shortcuts? Yeah, after we got, I think, 10-0 up, we just tried to s just beat them with speed and pace out on the wings. We didn't try and just get in the grind, hold them out. They just, just tried to spread it the whole time. OK, now, on the electric podcast this week, mate, what's going to be your main talking point for all your listeners? Why Parramatta frustrates me. <laughs> okay, everyone, round of applause for Fletch. That comment could be uh, everyone's topic for the week, how Parramatta can frustrate us. But as I said, when you think the start of the day is, you've got to get those two points. At the end of the day, they got the two points. We mightn't have liked the how it was achieved, but the fact was... It was achieved. So we'll take that as a positive. Uh, moving forward, John, I'm going to pose the same question to you. What do the Eels need to do to get a win against a Broncos team that seems to have strike power all over it that is looking like they will genuinely challenge for the Premiership when we look like we are genuinely struggling to make the top eight? I will say, generally speaking, Parramatta are pretty good at playing up to their opposition. So if we're playing the Penrith Pampers, we tend to match their intensity uh, in the regular season. I think, I hope, the same is true for the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, we met them in Darwin earlier this year, which we know those torrid conditions can really bring out the worst in teams. Even then, we nearly ran them down despite a, a non-simbin on Payne Haas for a hip-drop tackle. Speaking of Payne, I think it's trying to stifle that middle, Patrick Carrigan, Payne Haas, uh, Tom Flegler. They've got such a, a strike rotation of props, and I know we're going to be without Reagan Campbell-Gillard, which will make things difficult, but the Parramatta Eels have to find a way to impact the ruck if they're going to try and negate the, the ability of the Broncos' backline, which, you know, you, you, it's hard, you're hard-pressed to find a better backline in the competition. Uh, starting at fullback with Reese Walsh, who's just electric, and then a series of almost prototypical 
athletic centers and wingers. They're all, you know, giants that can move and finish uh, with a plomb. So trying to mitigate all that starting in the middle is going to be the key factor. And yeah, the reality is it's going to be a difficult task. Okay, just uh, on a couple of other things before we do our three, two, ones for the NRL. Uh, tough loss again for our NRLW team, but brighter times ahead because I believe Rachel Pearson will be available to be selected this week, and that's going to be a really crucial in at halfback. Unfortunately, we saw uh, Kennedy Charrington dismissed from the field today. She's a clean skin. Well, so she tells me she's a clean skin. Um, and so she's got a, uh, she hasn't got a, a record that's going to maybe increase any penalty that they're looking at. So how much of a turnaround can we expect with the inclusion of Rachel Pearson and maybe as well Elsie Albert? Oh, there's no doubt they're going to make a significant difference. There are two marquee recruits. One is going to be the organiser, the field marshal for the team in the halves, and the other is going to be one of the two pillars in the forward pack alongside Kennedy. And obviously Kennedy's going to have a, a stint on the sideline pending what the judiciary and the match review committee say. Uh, and I hope that there is some scalability of the punishments given that uh, NRL punishments are built on that 24, 25-week season. NRLW season, only nine weeks. You'd think that they would scale punishments to fit the uh, relative to... Uh, so what are you thinking for Kennedy? One or two weeks? Not three or four? I, I would hope that, yeah, two, two to three at tops. But it depends. It's, you, you're pulling numbers out of a hat when it comes to the MRC sometimes. Yeah, and, and I think what, what John's trying to explain there is in a nine-game season with the NRLW, if you cop a four-game suspension, that'd be, that's about the same as in the NRL being suspended for half a season. So there has to be that scalability at play there. Um, and, look, you, you thought there was an improved performance yeah, today? The scoreboard doesn't reflect it, but I thought that the effort was uh, much improved this week. I thought there was uh, more aggression and defence and line speed. I was going to say, the line speed is the, is the big thing that we're really looking for improvement. And the score was 18-4 when Kennedy got sent. And from there, obviously, Newcastle piled on some points. But that was in the second half. And they, they gave themselves like a real chance to be in the contest today. They had a couple of opportunities in the first half they couldn't convert. It allowed Newcastle to jump out to a lead. But, yeah, I, I really think the effort was much better. And I think... There are some options in this team in attack. You talk about winger, Zawi Faye, uh, centre slash fullback, uh, Cassie Toi Hiku, Abby Church, who went off injured today. They've got some legitimate strike in the back line. So just finding a way to feature them with Pearson back, I think will give them opportunities moving forwards. Yeah, and uh, speaking, speaking about um, other Eels results. Yeah, New South Wales Cup, good win today, 60s. Yeah, so uh, they were playing up at Kellyville today. So Parramatta's New South Wales Cup team won 44 to 28. A uh, couple of late tries to the Dragons made it a bit more respectable from their perspective. But you had uh, tries from three tries from Dejan Arce today. So he's moved back to New South Wales Cup. He got three tries today. Uh, we also had a try to um, Wonga Blake, Lockie Blackburn, Chris Tupu, Jordan Rankin. And Jordan Rankin kicking six goals to give that 44 points. And he wasn't on the scorer sheet, but Brendan Hands had a good game playing in the halves. Yeah, and, uh, and then yesterday uh, was another win for the Eels, and this was an important win for the Parramatta Eels in the Jersey Flag competition because 
They were sitting in seventh place before this weekend. They were playing the sixth place Dragons and it's only a top five in the jersey flag. They beat the Dragons to the tune of 48 points to 10. A really, really big win over at Cabramatta. It's a, a pity that we can't get to see them, uh, you know, as curtain raises here anymore or so it seems. But 48 to 10 was a great result. Uh, we had two tries to Ethan Martin, two tries to Matthew Arthur, two tries to Matt Komalafi, uh, try to Josh Lynn, try to Brock Parker, try to Ethan Sanders. So really big win. That moves them up to sixth place. And they're still in the run for finals football. A couple of results maybe have to go their way, but if they keep winning... Technically speaking, their the destiny is in their own hands for the most part. They've got the best for and against out of the three teams vying for that fifth spot being themselves, St. George, who they played yesterday, and the Melbourne Storm, who they played last week and won. So if they keep winning and winning well, they'll make it. The problem is they've got a couple of uh, big roadblocks in the way in the Sydney Roosters and the Penrith Pampers, but they're, stride they're finding their stride, they're hitting form. The team is now the core of that SG Ball Premiership winning side from earlier this year, and those boys that have come up into the under-21s from the under-19s are really finding their own form and really taking control of both their individual responsibilities and the team responsibilities. Yes, yeah, so for people that aren't aware, uh, Parramatta won the SG Ball competition earlier this year. A lot of the boys that are in the SG Ball have transitioned up to the jersey flag. That all those combinations, spine combinations, they're really starting to have their impact in that grade. They're notching up really good wins, uh, really good victories playing a good brand of football, even when they lost to the first place Roosters recently. Pushed them massively. They really pushed the Roosters. They've still got another game against them, unfortunately, when it comes to the draw. But um, anyway, so we actually had three grades of wins for the Eels. Wasn't it good in the old days when you could say the Eels won all three grades? Well, they got all three grades today, so uh, this weekend. So we'll, uh, we'll have that as a positive for this round. Uh, John, your 3-2-1 for today. It's always tough coming out of a game like this where you sort of steal the win and you feel like you left a lot of good football on the field not, you know, utilised. Jeez. Um. It, it is a tough choice because you, you look at the performers and there might be something that they did that you didn't like as I, well. I'm going to go with the big man. He scored a critical try. Uh, he had a, you know, a big game on both sides of the ball, 180 metres on the ground, and I think... 32-odd tackles, just one miss. Now go with one of our captains, Junior Barlow. OK. Uh, look, I think I probably have to agree with you. Uh, I'll go the three with Junior Barlow because, I mean, he, he, he was one of our better performers last week as well. And I think from here it starts to get difficult for, for <laughs> who a, we select. It is very, very difficult. Um, you got, you know, Dylan Brown came back and I thought he had some nice involvements. Uh, had that left edge humming early on the game. Had the try assist for the go-ahead uh, try with Bryce Cartwright. That crossfield kick that uh, got uh, tipped back to Bryce or tipped down by a drag in the Bryce. He'd probably be in the mix for two points. Bryce himself, a lot of good, a lot of bad. I don't know if you can warrant a two-point selection on that, mate. Um, may maybe I'll keep it simple and just go Dylan, who I thought came back and still has plenty to owe the club and the team in the coming weeks. Going to need more big performances, but... He uh, came back, made some big defensive tackles, made a couple of really important offensive plays. 
you know, I feel conflicted with the two points because, as you know, I like to use my my uh, metric is could the Eels have won without a, a best on field uh, player? And I don't believe that they could have won today without Junior. And as crazy as this may seem, because he made some mistakes, I don't think the Eels win today without Bryce Cartwright. Yeah, that's fair. It just comes down to the balance of things, doesn't it? If you think that the negatives offset the positives or the positives outweigh the negatives, then I can definitely see the positives outweighing the negatives. So I'm giving him two points. The one point... Uh, I, you know, Mitch Moses really was so much effort today, but it seemed that they had the answer for him all day. But again, I think I have to go for him for the one point today. And it, and it feels... It feels like we could have... No, I don't think we would have won without Mitch Moses today. I think his kicking game was essential. And I, and I think the fact that he just... He, he did keep asking questions. They had answers. But he never stopped pushing what he was trying to offer today. So I'm going to go one point for Mitch Moses. <sighs> Maybe I just have to jump on the Bryce Cartwright bandwagon for the one point. He definitely sparked some fantastic patches of play early on. And even... After that period of uh, errors in that sort of second quarter, he sort of straightened up his game and got back to playing a bit more fundamentally strong in the second half. So he was definitely, like you said, a player that we don't win without. And the fact that he scored the go-ahead try was critical. Okay, well, that just about wraps things up, everyone. Uh, just before we go, we also want to uh, give an acknowledgement to our former players. They had their reunion this weekend. Uh, it was a big weekend event. Uh, yesterday and today. You all got to see them out on the field when they did that lap of honour before the first grade game. There's a wonderful organisation called the Blue and Gold Alliance. They're a, an, they're a group of former players and officials and their goal is to bring back every single former Parramatta player back to Parramatta next year for, for one big day, for one big event. And I think it's a, a really, it's a challenge. It's a worthwhile challenge. They're a not-for-profit not organisation. They want to help as many of the former players as they can. They want to bring players together because of how important it is. So uh, a bit of acknowledgement for them. I hope you enjoyed being able to give them a round of applause as they walked around the field. Thank you, everyone, for being here today. Thank you, John, for today. And go, you mighty eels.